0: Good morning. Oh, what a great day in the Lord. Good morning. Amen. We talk about the fall in the garden and the devastation that has wrought on the whole human family even to this day. We are sons and daughters of Adam and therefore we are a fallen race and we need a savior. But there is another passage in the Old Testament that talks about the Tower of Babel. And at the Tower of Babel, men thought they could become like God. They would reach into the heavens and they would become gods and they all spoke the same language. And God in his judgment Looked down on them and he scattered them throughout the whole earth with all the different languages. And today we still deal with that. But thanks be unto God there is an answer. And we're going to read that answer. It's found in Acts 2. We're going to start at the 14th verse and read through the 42nd. And the answer is, the answer is at Pentecost the Holy Spirit brought all human family together in the Lord in a purified state. Hallelujah. This is one of the neatest and most powerful sermons you will ever hear or read that we're going to read right now from the Holy Spirit working through Peter. We want to welcome everyone this morning. We're really thankful that each one of you are here. And you know what? We're thankful for wherever men gather in the name of the Lord. It doesn't have to be here. That his name is exalted and held up. So let's begin reading at Acts 2, the 14th verse. But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, Be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he should raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Seeing this before of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, that ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, And with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. This day is a beautiful day, it is a wonderful day. I pray that it is duplicated many, many thousands of times around this planet. We have two very young souls who are making a public statement that they will follow Jesus. What a marvelous thing. I'll tell you today, even if you do not know them, I'm going to encourage everyone in this house when we go to prayer to pray. For two very young souls. They are so precious. And they are walking into the fire. And God will preserve them. Hallelujah. We're thankful for the old saints. Older saints. Not older. That have followed the Lord for a long time. And they want to give a testimony. God bless them. We pray that this day will be a day that the Holy Spirit and the angelic hosts will rejoice. We're thankful for every visitor. We're thankful for everyone who has come. You are precious in the sight of God more than any of us can comprehend. Clem, I'm going to call on you in a little bit to pray, but I'm going to ask for prayer requests. Anyone, prayer requests this morning or praise reports. Well, it must have been quite the week. Everything about right. Yes, Dan. His name is Chuck George, and the Lord's working on his heart. He's having some health issues, so we will pray for him. Thank you. Yes. Karen, Sister Karen, she shoulder repaired this week. Get your shoulder repaired this week, Sister Karen. All right. Need to pray for the doctors and pray for healing and pray for the witness. pray for our leaders, I don't think we should let a weekend service go by without lifting them up. It's so easy to get caught in the culture and discuss all the things that are going on, but that's not what we're told to do. We are told to pray for
1: them. Let's lift them up. Yes. Sure. Since uh, Sam's name came up, I wasn't sure when to read this today, so I think I'll just read it before prayer and let's pray for Sam. Uh, several of you, uh, we wrote some letters to Sam again, and he's responded back, and he's, he sent Phil and I each one a, a personal letter, but he sent this one to the church, so wanted to read it. It says, To the church, sorry that this has taken so long to get to y'all. I thank you all for all of the letters. They make me happy. I thank you all for the letters. They make me happy when I feel down. Not sure when I'll be home, but I'll be home. Today has been hard for me. It's something I don't want to talk about, but I'll have to. Please keep the letters coming. If I don't write, it's because of the amount that I can send, that I can send out. Love you all. God bless. Sam.
0: Pardon me for being this blunt, but if we believe in miracles, we will pray for this young man. Because the fact of the matter is, his life has been so tough. And he has wavered so many times that we need to see the hand of God turn him around permanently. with power. Anyone else? Yes, Bernice. I'm sorry? Unspoken request from Sister Bernice for prayers. Let's go to prayer.
1: There's good news this morning. I would like to dedicate this message this morning to John and Jenny and their family, Elisha. Also to Zach and Carla, Addie and your family. But really the message of the gospel, the message of good news goes far beyond the event of today. It has reached back before the foundation of the world and it reaches far in to eternity the good news i repeat a few verses that brother phil read verse 17 and it shall come to pass in the last days saith god i will pour out my spirit get that picture of god pouring out the water Pouring out the Holy Spirit in those days of my spirit and they shall prop... I'm sorry, um, verse 17, and it shall come to pass the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18, and on my servants... And on my handmaids. I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. Verse 21. A text for today. And it shall come to pass. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 39. For the promise is unto you. To every one of you. The promise comes to you and to your children and to all that are afar off and to everyone that shall call upon the name of the Lord. The promise is unto you. And that is the promise of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. There is good news this morning. The message of the gospel, I believe, is simple enough for every young child to understand and to believe and to be saved. And yet the gospel message is challenging enough that no scholar can reach the depth of it. The message of the gospel is powerful enough to break the bonds of every legalist, every traditionalist, and every atheist. The message of the gospel can reach down to every sinner and bring him up. And yet the gospel can reach uh, to the highest of the proud and bring him down. The message of the gospel is for everyone John 3.16 says to whosoever. Message of the gospel comes with promise. To every soul present today. Everyone that is listening. And everyone that is afar off. Again I repeat Acts 2.21. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts 2.39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord shall call. I've prayed many times this week, repeatedly, that the message today would be simple enough That every child that can hear my voice will at least understand something about the gospel. And for every lost soul to feel invited this morning into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for every seasoned believer to be encouraged in the hope of the gospel. The good news comes to everyone this morning. The Good News of the Gospel is simply the title of the message this morning. There is good news. The outline today will take us to several scriptures, but again, I just pray that the message will be simple. I've listed several bullet points that we'll go through, get to in a moment. But first of all, the word gospel, and you already know this, just simply means in its original meaning, good news. There's lots of good news this morning. I got out of bed this morning. The sun was shining. I thought, that is good news. My almost nine-year-old granddaughter came last night to spend the week with me. That's good news to a grandpa. There's lots of good news, but the message today is specifically centered around the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ. That is the good news. And it's alone through Him. In its original meaning, the good news, the gospel, is a Greek word primarily found in the New Testament. You'll find it over a hundred times in the New Testament. But the good news message goes beyond the Greek meaning. It is the Hebrew meaning which is the good news of God. The message of God. And that's woven all through the old scriptures as well. God has always had a good heart towards His people. The Bible tells us that the good news of the gospel originated before the foundation of the world. Now get this. The Godhead saw the need before the need even existed. Can you get your mind around that? Simple and yet profound. The Godhead saw the need for the gospel before the need even existed. And get this, He provided a solution to that need before it was humanly possible through the man Jesus Christ. There is good news this morning. God has always been a good God. His goodness has overflowed in abundance all through time. The Bible says that the good news of the gospel was made manifest through the person of Jesus Christ. That means the good news of the gospel was made clear, very clear to us through Jesus. He was made known to us. It was made perfectly clear in and through the personage, the Son, Jesus the gospel is complete. It was in the heart of the Godhead before the foundation of the world and it will carry us into eternal glory. When the world is finally rolled up as a scroll and is gone as we know it today. The gospel is complete in and of itself. It is the good news. So I speak again of the good news of God this morning I'm specifically referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is a promise to every one of you this morning. There is a promise to every one of your children this morning. There is a promise. To those of you who are afar off this morning, there is a promise to everyone that calls on the name of the Lord. That through Jesus Christ He will pour out His water of the Holy Spirit upon you, and you can be saved. That's good news. Hallelujah. Good news of the gospel. it is complete. So I've listed several bullet points this morning concerning the gospel. I'd love to dwell on each one of them. Uh, But we want to keep it simple and we want to uh, go quickly this morning. The gospel is complete. We've mentioned that. The gospel is eternal. We've talked about that. The gospel comes by promise and with promise to all. And fourth, the fourth bullet point I've listed is the gospel was needed. Now, this is very, very critical that we understand it, at least in its simplicity, as it is intended. The gospel was needed. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The gospel was needed. A passage most of you could quote. And you hath he quickened, Ephesians chapter 2. You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even As others, this tells us that there was a drastic need for the gospel. Before Jesus Christ came, we were all in sin. Every one of us, regardless of how good you may think you are this morning, without Jesus Christ, you were lost. And we were in drastic need of the gospel. The Bible says here in these verses that in times past, speaking of before Christ came into our lives, Whether you view that collectively or individually, it's both one and the same. We needed the gospel of Jesus because it says here we were dead. We walked with the world. We were with the devil. We were disobedient. And drop down to verse 12 here. It says that we were without Christ. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, God's people. We were not one and the same then. We were strangers from promise. The promise that we read in Acts chapter 2 verse 39. We could not claim it. We were outside of Jesus Christ without promise. And it says here in verse 12. We were without hope. Hopeless. And without God. It says here. That sums it up. Before Jesus Christ came into this world, we had walked away from Him. We were in drastic need of the gospel. It says here, we were without God. These people that think they're going to get to God because of the way they live, by their own morals, by their own strength, by their own power, the Bible says here, without Jesus Christ, we are apart from God. And we are in drastic need of the gospel. Every one of us. Regardless of who we are, we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 3. Titus is a little book there just right after Timothy, before Philemon and Hebrews. Titus chapter 3 goes on with this thought of our drastic need of the gospel. Because before we were in Christ, the Bible says here in Titus chapter 3, verse 3, For we ourselves, now this brings it really, really personable. We ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and in envy, hateful and hating one another, That was me before Jesus came into my life. That was you before Jesus came into your life. The gospel was complete. The gospel is eternal. The gospel comes with promise. And the gospel was desperately needed. The fifth bullet point that I've listed is the gospel was given. Keep your finger there on the... uh, 4th verse of Titus 3. The gospel was drastically needed. And thanks be to God, the gospel was given. And I've chosen those words because it wasn't something that we earned. The gospel was given. As desperately as we needed the gospel. It goes on here in Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But after that... The kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. I love that verse. As bad off as we were, we were as lost as lost could be. And it says, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, speaking of Jesus Christ in the flesh, appeared toward man. And I want, you, I want you to get that phraseology. The gospel came towards us. Not the other way around, folks. The gospel came to us. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 40, speaking of me before I was in Jesus Christ, I was down in a pit, in a miry clay pit. I was hopeless as hopeless could be. But the arm of grace reached down into that pit, the Bible says. And he picked me up also out of that horrible pit. And he set my feet upon a rock. That tells me that he came after me. He came to deliver me. He came towards me. You'll find several passages uh, in in the scriptures speaking about God coming towards us. The gospel was truly given. We can go back to uh, Ephesians chapter three, where we chapter two, where we left off, in verse three. I mean, in verse four, and it says, "But God." It's that same thought. We were drastically in need of the gospel, verses one through three, and then in verse four, just like in Titus, "But God." But God came towards us. It says here in verse four. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he has raised us up together. Again, Psalm chapter 40, he set our feet upon a rock. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us, through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved, and it goes on. We'll come back to this section uh, in another time. The gospel was drastically needed, and the gospel was given through an action of God's grace and His mercy. The next bullet point I've listed is the gospel is for all. We've already touched on that according to Acts chapter 2, verse 39. John 3.16, but also Matthew 18 says, It is not the will of the Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It is not the will of the Father that anyone would perish. The gospel is for all. The gospel will either bring deliverance and hope, or it will bring judgment and death. There is no one exempt. From the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why the next bullet point that I've listed is the gospel must be received. Not only is it complete, eternal, come with promise, it is drastically needed. The gospel was given. The gospel is for all, but, but the gospel must be received. When Jesus died on the cross, that invitation is for all. When he rose again, that power uh, through the Holy Spirit is available to all. But we must receive the gospel. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But listen, but to as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, but born of God. Whoever receives him can be born again. The gospel must be received. 1 Corinthians, turn there if you care to, chapter 15. a few verses moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel again that word means the good message from god or the good news which i preached unto you which also you have received wherein ye stand by the which ye are saved if you keep in memory what i preached unto you unless ye believed in vain For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's a good summary of the Gospel story. Jesus died, was buried, rose again according to the Scriptures. And Paul said says it's through this that you are saved if you receive that gospel message. First of all, the message that I preached, Paul said, because I first received the gospel and now you have received the gospel. And he gives that good little quick summary. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again according to the scripture, the gospel story. But I think Paul is saying here we must receive more than the gospel as a story. We must receive the gospel, the Savior of the gospel. We must put ourselves in that good gospel story of God. We must see ourselves as the gospel is real in our lives. And that leads me to the next bullet point the gospel must be lived. There are a lot of people who say they receive the gospel. James says the proof is in the pudding. If you've truly received the gospel, then you will live the gospel. In fact, in my own words, James is saying that if there's not fruitful works coming out of the life of the believer, then James would say, I question if there's faith at all the gospel must be lived. And I realize this bullet point probably isn't the most popular among modern Christianity. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 13 and 14 says that they which are ordained to preach the gospel should live the gospel. And that comes very close to my heart as a public minister but I think it goes beyond the public minister position. I think it's saying anyone who is living a testimony of Jesus Christ must live the gospel, not just preach the gospel. The gospel should be lived. Ephesians chapter 2, where we left off earlier the gospel was needed, the gospel was given through the grace of God and it goes on and it says that the gospel will have a great effect on our life as he works in us and through us. We actually become a special project of sanctification. We actually become his workmanship. Young Addie, young Elisha, all of you young people, View yourself as a special project of God. When you give your life as in full surrender to Jesus Christ, God begins to mold you and shape you and work with you. He begins to build a great piece of art. God is not only the creator of the universe, but he creates a new heart in you. And he will continue to work out his workmanship, his creativity in your life. The gospel is to be lived. I just encourage you this morning, as you dedicate your life to Jesus Christ, uh, bring your whole heart to Him in transformation in a full surrender to Him. And allow Him to work in your life and allow the gospel to be lived out in your life. The next bullet point, and there's a lot more that should be said there as we yield our lives to Him. In a full sur- the gospel actually changes the way we think, the way we do, the way we respond to people, the way we respond to circumstances. The gospel changes our passions and the gospel changes our perspective. The gospel is meant to be lived. The next bullet point is the gospel brings hope. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses, uh, well, let's look at verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and this passage actually touches on several of the bullet points that I've mentioned, your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For the gospel, again, that good news, came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And that phrase there in King James means hope. It means an expected end. A confident, expected end. The gospel brings hope. And this is not some wishy-washy, I don't know, maybe yes, maybe no sort of thing. The hope of the gospel is a certain expectation. The gospel brings hope. In verse 5, much assurance. The hope of the gospel is a common phrase in scripture. The gospel brings hope to our hopelessness. And maybe you're here this morning struggling with hope maybe you're feeling hopeless I invite you to the gospel of Jesus Christ because there is no other place that you can find hope in this hopeless world than at the foot of Jesus Christ at his cross and through the power of the resurrection we find hope the hope of the gospel is a common phrase in the scriptures Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, also verse 23. In verse 5, it speaks about the hope being laid up for you in heaven. I love that that word picture. It is Jesus Christ has already paid forward for you. Your hope is secure, He has paid that forward. And he has laid it together as a heap in heaven for you. And it's already there for you. Your hope is laid up for you in heaven. Colossians 1 verse 5. And in verse 23 there it's, uh, it mentions the hope of the gospel. The gospel brings hope. It's good news. Fellow Christian, don't lose hope in this world. The same gospel that saved your soul from the pit of hell, however many years ago that might have been, that same hope will not leave you stranded, will not allow you to fall. The hope of the gospel. In fact, in Psalm chapter 40, again, I refer there, God not only reached down His arm of grace and pulled us up out of that miry clay pit, but the Bible says there in Psalm 40, He has set our feet on a rock. And He has established our goings. And He has put a new song in your mouth, even to the praise of our God. God will not leave you stranded He did not save your soul to just leave you out there. He has given you hope. A secure expectation to an end. The next bullet point, the last one I've listed, and there's more that could be shared. The gospel is to be shared. This gospel that I've been preaching this morning, as simple as what I've presented it, And I know a lot of you have capability of taking it much deeper. This gospel is to be shared. And I know that there's uh, fellow Christians that believe that the gospel was shared by the apostles, uh, first by the disciples, the apostles, and that that has been fulfilled and as much as I respect them as fellow believers I say that makes no spiritual sense to me at all. You do a word search on this word gospel in the New Testament you'll find out that about over half of the times it's mentioned in the scriptures it has to do with sharing the gospel. And I found that enlightening. There's a lot of different forms, a lot of different ways that we can share the gospel. We are called to preach the gospel. We're called to teach the gospel. We're called to live out the gospel. We're called to testify of it, to encourage others in the way of the gospel, and to bring our children up in the way of the Lord. There's a lot of different ways that we can share the gospel. But we, every believer, I say every believer, is called to share the gospel in some way, shape, or form. Not everybody has to go to Haiti. Not everybody has to go to Honduras. Not everyone has to go across the waters to share the gospel. But we are called to share the gospel in some way, shape, or form. And maybe our first calling is right within our own families, bringing up our children in the way and the admonition of the gospel, of the Lord. We are called to share the gospel. First of all, if, if you say that the gospel, the sharing the gospel was fully, had fully come to pass through the apostles, well, that world only was Asia Minor and the surrounding areas. When, when the Bible talks about the world then, it was just that, that small area there in the Middle East and we know the world is a lot larger than that. Also, there are many people, many, many hundreds and thousands if not billions of people that's been born since then that do not know the gospel. We are called to share the gospel. The second reason is is because if we truly know and experience what I've been speaking about this morning, if we truly have applied that into our heart and we totally uh, really uh, put ourselves in the gospel story and we feel that this morning, we can't keep it to ourselves. We not only are commanded to share the gospel, but we feel a burden to share the gospel with those that do not know of it. I've... Told this story probably more, more than any other story in the many years that I've been preaching. You've heard it, you probably have heard me say it, but it sums it up. We cannot keep this gospel to ourselves. It speaks about this little boy who sat through the sermon. A very powerful message as the pastor preached uh, the message about God being a big God. And then at the close of this message, an invitation to invite Jesus into our heart. And after the service was over and they gathered outside the church house, and the pastor noticed the little boy off to his side, and he was just kind of sort of kicking the gravel, and he was thinking. And the pastor noticed that, and he walked up to him, and he said, Little boy, what are you thinking? And the little boy kept kicking the gravel and he didn't even look up at the pastor and he said I've just been thinking I've just been thinking about that message that you preached pastor and well I'm thinking like this if you you describe God as this big God and then you Then you invited us to receive Jesus into our heart. And I'm thinking about how big God is and how little my heart is. And if I invite Jesus into my heart, well, he's going to just come out all over the place. And I think that's the way it is feeling the burden to share the gospel. We can't keep it inside I didn't really make this a bullet point, but I'm going to ask this morning, have you totally surrendered your life to the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm going to make an assumption this morning that probably everyone here, nearly everyone here, believes in Jesus. But have you really surrendered your life to the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel is simple enough for every child to understand, believe, and be saved. And yet the gospel is challenging enough that every scholar cannot plumb the depths of it. It is complete. The gospel is eternal. The gospel comes with promise. The gospel is needed, desperately needed. The gospel was given, graciously given. The gospel is for all, whosoever will. The gospel must be received. The gospel must be lived. The gospel brings hope, a confident expectation. The gospel is meant to be shared because we cannot keep it to ourselves. Is the gospel real to you today? Do you see yourself in the gospel story? Let's have a song.